0: Signing up couldn't be easier. Just visit printondemandcast.com slash VIP and enter your email. Don't let another day of potential pass you by. Become a part of the VIP list, grab your annual design calendar, and let's dive into a year of inspired creating together. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome to this week's episode of the Print on Demand Cast. Each week, join Travis and Josiah as they provide insight into the print-on-demand industry and equip you with the tools, advice, and strategy you need to achieve success and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Now, on to this week's show.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back once again to another episode of the Print On Demand cast. As always, I'm Josiah and joining me from his office in Broomfield, which is 30 minutes away from me. And this is a lot of information the listener doesn't care about. Travis Ross, how are you doing? <laughs> it's, good. it's good to see you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing
0: good, man. I don't um, have the cool lights like you do. I love those, the blue and the red, the aura, you know, it's yeah. very, it's very branded. You know, I mean, with our podcast logo, nice, nice, nice work. I was actually looking at those on Amazon last night thinking, hmm. But as you can see from my backdrop, um <laughs> wah, 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 it probably wouldn't look very cool. I'm going to have to figure yeah, something yeah. out in this office. Maybe put like a sconce or, you know, or a candle sure. or something to look cool. Sure. But, uh like- Yeah not really doing much
1: for me right now (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's something you don't really think about a lot of those things until you start implementing video on the podcast which we're going to start doing you know youtube channel that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and so now it's like yeah how do we make it aesthetically pleasing to the viewer now because now we're to keep in mind that we're going to be on video you know (laughs) have to keep in mind i have to look presentable and can't just be disheveled because it's only audio so now what are we going to do but yeah, mm-hmm. when once I once I you know move locations and and hopefully I have a home studio, I can start kind of even adding some cool wall decor because I don't want to go through the hassle of hanging stuff on on here if I'm not gonna be here for for much longer. So, uh, but yeah, it's good to see you, and I'm excited about you're breaking this my week. heart. You're breaking my heart though. You're talking about leaving. I know. That's I'm talking about leaving the great state of of Colorado, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an adventure. <laughs> So, yeah, which, you know, we'll cross that bridge. Good thing is for the listener, nothing will change. Uh, we, <laughs> can still, we can still provide you quality audio, video, and sound bumper experiences, regardless of mm-hmm. where we're located in this great state uh, or great, great country, rather. So, man, I'm excited about this interview because we're talking to yep. someone that doesn't live in this country. We're actually <laughs> going all the way. Listen to the listener. We went across the pond and sourced a guest for this podcast because that's how much we care distance means nothing we went all the way to england and got michael essig now travis tell tell everyone a little bit about michael essig i mean don't give away the farm before we get into the interview portion but you know him um from a conference in seattle so tell the people a little bit about him and what they can expect to learn from michael in this interview
0: yeah, this guy has been around the block a few times when it comes to print on demand. Um he has um uh, Michael Michael uh and you you know you can find all this information in the show notes but um his blog is is one of the best in the print on demand space. So I would totally encourage you to go check it out. He's got so many incredible blog posts. He has a lot of other things going on too. Um yep. and beyond that, he's actually you know, he's building brands, he's actually doing the stuff we're talking about. So um, really excited to talk to him, really excited to pick his brain, kind of, you know, introduce him to, to maybe to yeah. some of our audience that may not know him yet, um, because he, sure. he, he's really providing valuable information um, to the print on demand world. So yeah. Um, yeah, really excited to get into the interview.
1: Yeah, 100%. And just so you know, you the listener, you probably have seen this already on your time slide or whatever. This is a longer episode, so there's no yeah. point of interest. Usually we don't do point of interest for guests anyway, but especially this instance because <laughs> this interview goes a little long. So you might have to break it up on your commutes or just settle in, get comfy, uh, and, and get out a notepad and get ready to take some notes as we go to our interview. The main event of this episode, the interview with Michael Lessig.
0: On a cold, dreary night in September of 2020, Travis Ross and Josiah Cifuentes created the print-on-demand cast. This is the main event.
1: Travis, I am super excited for this week's main event. We get to talk with Michael Essek, who is a branding and design guru. I'm very excited that he has taken time across the pond to come on the show and kind of uh, take us to school on these two topics. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Piranha ManCast. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to be here.
2: Thank you, guys. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I know it's early doors over there for you guys, so thanks for (laughs) arranging to have me on at this ungodly hour um, yeah ta- what I
1: time, still time is it my coffee. At? yeah <laughs> it's
2: just what, what is it it's about 10 to 5 here so i usually i'd be packing up and heading home about this time okay. but uh but yeah so it's, uh, your
1: day, it's, we're starting hours that that's that's awesome <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> so michael i met you uh, a few years ago at um in Seattle at, at a Mm -hmm. Merch by Amazon conference that Chris Green put on. And uh, we had a, it was a really fun conference, a lot of great speakers and um, learned a lot. Um, And, but since then you've really um, kind of just taken off as far as like publishing content and really helping people, uh, in the print on demand community. First of all, I want to say thank you for, for that and for contributing so much. I mean, you can go guys go to com and there is so much stuff about print on demand. Um, it's really amazing, uh, all of the things that you've offered the print on demand community, but so backing up, like, I just want to hear your pod story, your print on demand story. Like what brought you into print on demand? Um, and then maybe even take it a step further. What, you know, what made you decide to also create all this content for people and not just kind of stay in your hole and just, you know, with your head down and just, you know, do design after design after design?
2: Yeah, great, great questions. Um, how did it all start? I think I was uh, if we go way back, so this is about seven or eight years ago, I was working as a graphic designer, web designer, and I had a website that I'd started, kind of like a hyper-local blog that I'd been running for a few years. Uh, started it myself, grew it to a decent following on social media. I think it had about 20,000 Twitter followers and stuff. And it was just a local blog about mm. the area I lived nearby um, and some things that were happening around there. And, uh, I, wa- I sold it cause I wanted to kind of, I was bored of it. I wanted to sell it. So I sold the blog, the business, if you like, although it was never, it never really made any money, um, <laughs> but it made me some money in AdSense and, and that kind of thing. Um, so when I sold it, I suddenly realized that that's, you know, hundred, couple of hundred dollars a month, um, was no longer there. And I wasn't making any money anymore. <laughs> so I kind of thought, okay, it'd be nice to just kind of top up my income a little bit with something. So so let me see what I can do. And I I think I started doing things like uh, looking on 99designs and Upwork and trying to do a bit of like freelance graphic design jobs. I did some logos, did quite a few little illustration logos for people on Reddit. Um, and then I stumbled across uh, T shirts. And in particular, this was kind of the high point of sites like T Fury and Shirt Punch and Ripped. And these, they were called, or I would call them shirt a day sites. So they would have a design for sale for 24 hours and they'd kind of take pre orders and then they'd screen print them and send them out. And and it was a right. great business model because they would be like constantly infringing on IP, you know, but they'd be doing original designs, really cool designs from from independent <laughs> artists. And they'd be great, they'd be really quality stuff. Um, but it was all, like, um, oh, it was often infringing, you know. And it was it was gone in 24 hours, and so they gone, never got, got caught. That's the business model. It was genius. <laughs> like, yeah. if you were Marvel or whatever, you could never find a link to the design because it was gone because they right. took it down, you know, a month ago or whatever. Um, right. So, I, yeah, so th- this was uh, this was a high point of, of that stuff. So I was, I got into that space. I was following all the artists, and I was seeing all these figures, like, We've paid out X thousand dollars to artists this month. And I was like, wow, okay. And then I could, I could see that there was like, not only was there T-Fury and Shirt Bunch and a few other big ones, it was like new ones popping up all the time. And I was thinking, well, there's all these sites. They all need a new design every single day. And there's multiple of them, and they keep. And surely, if I produce a few decent designs, I've got a good chance of getting a, you know, getting a slot. You had to submit. It wasn't like a, you know, you had to submit a design, and they had to pick them. Um, So, long story short, I create. I started creating some designs for t-shirts. I had a pretty good idea. I thought of what might be funny. Did some designs around some of my favorite films, kind of cult films and stuff like that, that weren't Mm -hmm. really very well serviced. And, um, one of them got picked, uh, for shirt punch, like within a month. So I was like, wow, great. Okay. And, uh, that sold and maybe did a couple of hundred dollars in royalties, um, mm-hmm. in like a 24 hour period. And, and it, that was kind of the, the hook. Cause I was like, okay, we've proven this can work. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then around that time, Redbubble was really starting to take off. So a lot of these artists were posting their designs on Redbubble as well. And TeePublic was just about starting, um, so I, I discovered that that was really the entrance into true prints on demand uh, via Redbubble, and same story really. I put my designs on there. Uh, within a month, had my first sale. Uh, got the email, or I remember turning over, checking my phone, seeing the email, seeing you've made three three quid or whatever it was, and thought oh, oh, we've proved that you know this can work. Um, and from then it was like a, a wide open you know opportunity. It was just okay. The model works, let's go and, and do it. Um, but it was always from that kind of artistic, uh designery background of creating, you know, creating quality work because it needed to be quality in order to get on those sites in the first place. And you were competing with some really, really talented illustrators and designers. Um, so it never really dawned on me. It only dawned on me like a few years later when merged by Amazon launched that, oh yeah, you could do, any kind of t-shirt like it didn't have to be something that was really <laughs> smart and funny and looked great it could be a happy birthday dad t-shirt or a you know happy right. father's day t-shirt that never clicked right. in my head until <laughs> like a few years later when merch uh came out uh so yeah for for maybe two two three years i was kind of doing bits and pieces i was always trying i was mostly focused on stuff that i was interested in whether that was movies or particular communities like Um, I don't know, might be something like Bitcoin or something, which was kind of starting to tickle at the time. I did some, some designs around things like that. Um, and you know, things would take off. Some of them would take off. I'd have a Twitter account, Instagram account, um, things would rumble on and it was just kind of a very slow, steady progress, uh, would check my income every, every day, (laughs) You know, add it in my spreadsheet and see, this month we made $50, right? <laughs> Next month we made $70. Okay. And it was just a really – I've still got the same spreadsheet, and you can see it's like two years of just <laughs> bit, 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 blah, 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 blah. And then, blah, uh, And then the. I think I had a really good year in 2014 or something. There was a few uh, things that happened that year that really had a few trends and I was on top of them. And then 2015 Merch by Amazon came out, and I mm-hmm. I was – uh, I was kind of stunned that Amazon had done this. I think Amazon was stu- Amazon didn't know what they had on their hands as well. They, <laughs> you know, created this thing as like a, a way for app designers to sell t-shirts to their yeah. users and stuff. And they didn't clock that they were actually right. about to over, you know, take over the print and demand world. Um, so anyway, I hit the ground running with that. Uh, spent the first few nights uploading, you know, hundreds of my designs on there. And it basically doubled my income overnight, and then it quickly zoomed up um, yeah. from there. So that was the real uh, the real turning point, I think. Uh, so I, I would say I was in, a, in the right place at the right time. I had lots of designs already. I knew the landscape, and then Merch was just like a rocket booster that, that enabled me to make a lot of money from those designs uh, and, and really scale it very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, since then... <laughs> And you asked, why did I start, uh, putting stuff out there and, you know, writing blogs and, and emails and stuff? Um, I think the honest answer to that is that merch was very, in those early days, it was very touch and go and there was not a lot of, you know, it was the wild west and yeah. there weren't a lot of rules. And I didn't at the time know anyone who worked for Amazon or merch by Amazon. You know, I didn't have contacts with anyone there. Um, so I was like, this thing could, could crash and burn just as fast as it, as it shot up so I was always kind of wary and I'd thought you know I'd always I'd I'd often played around with the idea of like starting a blog and trying to you know tell people how to make money from Red Bull and things like that but I'd never actually done it so I think because I was kind of nervous about the success that was happening I thought well this would be a good time to put that stuff down and then Maybe I'd have something there. I always liked the idea of like selling an ebook or something. I just thought that's a great business to be in. Just you know, selling an ebook to people that they yeah. download, sure, like, that sounds good. Uh, but I'd never really done it before, so that gave me the excuse to tr- try it out. Really, and and yeah, I thought it would be good to have uh, a list of people who I could email and say, hey, you know, this has happened, or here's a new thing that's happened, and and just have that direct contact between people. Um, and I yeah. felt like, you know, I'd, I'd been in the space long enough that I had a lot of, of stuff to share. I'd, you know, always been taking notes and, you know, almost writing blog posts, but never actually publishing them anywhere. So, so yeah, um, started, started writing a, a weekly email newsletter, started posting blogs, uh, getting involved in Facebook groups. And, and that's kind of what led us to meet, um, mm-hmm. through that route. So yeah, it's kind of, uh, uh, been a whirlwind and, like you mentioned, the brand stuff. So that kind of, around the same time as Merch was taking off, again, similar kind of thought that, you know, Merch is great, but you don't have any contact with the customer. You're not building anything real long-term. We were doing okay on Etsy, um, but we weren't really investing much time and effort on there. So we spent more time, you know, looking at Etsy, doing more Etsy stuff and building a Shopify store, um, which did uh, very well around 2017, 18 um, doing work with Instagram influencers and, and driving mm. traffic and stuff. So got kind of quite, quite deep, quite fast into that world. Um, mm. And then since then, yeah, it's been lots of different channels, lots of different things. And I think we're beginning, when I say we, I mean like my company and my my uh, staff and everything, we're beginning to understand what we're really good at and what we're not so good at and the platforms that really right. work for us and the platforms that – you know, not really worth our time anymore. So, so yeah, we're focusing sure. on, on on brands. We're focusing on, um, doing what works and, uh, figuring the way forward.
0: Nice man. So you mentioned Etsy, um, you mentioned Shopify. So, um, I think it's safe to say you're not just going, you know, hundred percent royalty based print on demand. Um, you're also, you know, seller of record for, uh, some of your, your, uh, your stores. So, how many how many channels are you actually selling on? How many revenue streams? Um, and I mean, you did mention that some of them aren't as perhaps lucrative, and you're not going to spend as much time on those. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, maybe some of your how how many major revenue streams would you say? Yeah, the, the biggest uh, you know, ones. Right
2: yeah, the biggest ones would still be much by Amazon. Redbubble, TeePublic, they're probably like the big three. Mm -hmm. And then Etsy, just kind of depends what month we're in and what's happening, but that would be in the mix as well. Um, Okay. In in our main ones. And then there's a string of other print-on-demand sites, but none of which would usually make more than a few hundred dollars a month. Um, Okay. So we have, you know, we still make money from those, but we don't actively kind of do much about those. Um, But yeah, we have several, not several, but we have a few Etsy stores that Uh, that do well for us and um, we are just launching a new Shopify store uh, for a new brand um, which we've kind of laid dormant for a few years Um, but we're kind of getting back into the swing of things with that and with Instagram as well so our focus is really on building the Instagram account and building the brand kind of side of that right now Um, Mm -hmm. but we are just beginning to to push that out there as well. So the other channel we have is, um, offline licensing. So we license designs to various, um, brick and mortar stores. So hot topics, um, uh, Spencer's places like that. We have a few deals in place and with manufacturers, like we have a, a magnet manufacturer we work with. We have a, a wall calendar that we do every year with a, with a particular manufacturer and and they handle everything and then we just basically receive a royalty check every quarter for that so it's not um it's not as lucrative as the online stuff but it's nice to receive that check once a quarter (laughs) Um, and it's cool to have those channels which are not you know not online which means they're not open to copycats like we're all used to dealing with every day you know if, if someone's stocking something in hot topic it's unlikely that a copycat can come and undercut you on that, you know, like they can on Amazon. So, so yeah, it's cool. That's probably the other the other main channel that we have. Um, yeah, I think that probably sums it up in terms of the the big ones.
1: Awesome. That, yeah, I love that idea of d- diversifying. You know, we talk about that a lot. Just diversifying your revenue streams and uh, making sure that you have more than one. And, and we talk about you know eggs in baskets and not making sure that all the eggs are in, are in one basket. So that, that's good to hear that there's lots of diversification. How, with the team that you have that, that you're working with, how big is that team? Are you utilizing VAs? Are you, um, you know, having people that work in-house for you? How big is that team and, and what's kind of the delegation of roles that you have uh, within your company?
2: Yeah. We're we're not a big team by any stretch. It's me, uh, my sister and her husband and my mum, And uh, I have a friend who does basically some like VA type work for me on a part-time basis. And -hmm. then I have a couple of designers who I've worked with and retained really for several years. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's not a big team. And the a lot of what we make, you know, we're making money from designs that were created five years ago. You know, it's really as 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 wild as that. Um, So what we're doing um, in terms of delegation and who does what, I'm obviously kind of overseeing the general direction of things. And then my sister is usually manages the Etsy and stuff between her and her husband. They they do a lot of the back and forth on Etsy and chasing orders down and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we just have a lot of, you know, copy paste type jobs, VA type jobs that you have to do. Sure. And then I would work with the designers and usually give them art direction and say, Hey, we want to do a series of designs like this. Here's some sketches and and back yeah. and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not a big team. Excuse me. It's uh it's, it's quite small. And we're, like I say, we're still making, you know, probably at least 50% of our income from designs that were created over at least two or three years ago. So, yeah. and, um, so what we're trying to do is, you know, trying to create new stuff, but not to not to repeat stuff that we've already done. If that makes sense, like we want to sure. we want to focus on those brands and, and designs that have really worked. And you know, we might notice that a design suddenly takes off, or that a couple of designs have been selling really well over the past year. So let's maybe create a brand around that, or let's put some effort into hmm. that, do more similar designs like that. Um, so we're not running at the same kind of breakneck pace that we were you know in 2017 when i was churning out designs like a madman and uh, you know, hiring designers left and right and yeah and trying to get every idea down it was it's a lot more kind of focused these days around designs that really click and especially around audiences that we know we can connect with like we have instagram accounts we know that if we put this kind of design in front of them they usually respond pretty well to that kind of thing and 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 we can make sales that way so that's more the the focus these days
0: are you doing any type of customization on on etsy at all no. or have you okay is there I mean, a, is there a strategic reason for that just too much time or have yeah. you just not got into it yet
2: yeah it's just the kind of the hassle of it all i mean don't get me wrong we get requests for customization on etsy as sure. i guess a lot of people do but um, yeah it's the fact that it's not an easy a thing to do like of course if, if etsy released some kind of plugin or something that allowed you know automatic customization with real-time previews and stuff sure. um, then we'd say go ahead <laughs> you know it's not, a, a, <laughs> not a, we're not opposed to customization or anything yeah um, but it's just like yeah oh can you change this color to red and can you write you know chloe on the bottom of it or whatever and mm-hmm. i'm just like it would take me 10 minutes but I don't want to do it. (laughs) It's not my business. (laughs) That's not what I'm in the game for, you know? Um, So yeah, a lot of our designs don't really work that that well for that as well. Like a lot of them are, you know, funny, witty one joke designs, if you know what I mean. So there's not Mm -hmm, that many that really work for customization. Um, So, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so if our listeners haven't figured out by now, you're not from the USA. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so we just thought we'd take this opportunity to ask you, um, because I have no insight into this, is are there specific challenges doing business in UK with a bunch of US companies? And I know some of the, a lot of these companies are obviously worldwide, um, but I know some of them have, you know, specific hurdles where you have to have a US bank account or, or you know, things like that. I'm just wondering if you can speak to that and maybe give some um, advice to somebody who's not in the US that wants to yeah. start out and maybe what what they can do to to fast track that.
2: Yeah, um, to be honest, we'd not face many hurdles because the platforms we sell on, whether it be Amazon or Etsy or uh, Redbubble or Shopify, they're they're, they're pretty, you know, um, global. Yeah, they're global. They're, yeah. They mm-hmm. well, even if they're not global, they're they're pretty um, comfortable for a UK user to use. They they plug okay. in quite nicely. Like I imagine that's different if you're in India or you know something like sure. that. But in the UK, they tend to be pretty cool with UK bank accounts and stuff. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we haven't hit many hurdles there. I think maybe in the early days we had issues with Shopify because they wouldn't let you use, like, Shopify's internal payment system, so you had to plug in Stripe or whatever. But Mm. I think that's all been overcome these days. So, um, yeah, from the UK perspective, um, it's actually pretty pretty easy, I think. Um, We have, you know, we can use u.s we use u.s fulfillment companies for the most part because we're selling to u.s customers for the most part and um it's it's pretty straightforward there's not really anything we've had to overcome that i would be like oh watch out for this it's more like um i think the probably the biggest hurdle is things like returns on etsy like how are you going to handle that if people want to send you something back and you're like oh yeah send it to manchester in the uk and they're like what <laughs> <laughs> you know i paid three dollars for shipping and you want me to pay you know fifteen dollars <laughs> so yeah there's things like that you might want to think about uh, we we overcame that because we have relative we have my, uh, my wife's has family in um ohio so we could send stuff back to them so there's gotcha. things you can do to kind of solve problems like that or you can just sure. uh, have people return stuff back to wherever it came from you know printful or whoever your fulfillment company is, um, Mm -hmm. and work out something there. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest potential difficulty. Um, There's other weird things, like on Instagram or whatever. um, This is really stupid, but once I, like, took a picture (laughs) and it was of my Five Guys order, and I was in London at the time, Mm -hmm. and I just kind of tweeted the order, not tweeted, like posted it on Instagram, and someone commented and was like, I could see that it was London. It was like, you know, Oxford. Street or whatever in London, and they were like, You're in London, that's what, how you were American, and all this stuff. I was just like an anonymous account <laughs> on Instagram stuff, yes. um, so I was like, Oh, well, not that it really matters, but it's just yeah. kind of takes away a bit of the mystique. Or uh, you know, <laughs> sure. you're trying to be this cool brand in America, but you're actually uh, in the UK, yeah, it's less cool. I don't know, it's not that. Like <laughs>
1: So let's talk about branding a little bit. Um, how many brands do you currently own and operate um, on the, on the various channels that you're on?
2: Yeah, I mean that's a really good question because you immediately have to ask what do we call a brand? <laughs> you know, is sure, it a yeah. Brand if it has an Instagram account is it a brand if it's a Etsy store? Sure. Um, I think we have we have more Etsy stores than we have Instagram accounts, and we have a few trademarks and i would probably say those are the those are the real brands you know when you've got some when you've got a trademark for something that's that makes it a brand um that you want to protect because you want to sell under that name and then you sure you know go out there and protect the name um so yeah brands we have we i think we have three trademarks right now so those would be the main the main ones um and the I think one of them would be what I would call a more generic brand. So it's a pretty broad brand. Uh, it's our biggest Instagram account and it's just a kind of funny t-shirt brand. It's not really sure. specific to any particular niche or whatever. I guess you could say the demographic is like millennial humor or whatever, or internet culture and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not, um, you know, it's not like dogs, cats or anything sure. specific like that. Not that dogs and cats are specific these days. Cause you have to go, Oh, this is a, <laughs> you know labra poodle or whatever it might be um yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah uh that and then we have a couple of more recent trademarks around one around the brand that we're kind of restarting uh right now um and then another one which was an old an old brand which we've kind of let Uh, die on the vine but um so yeah a few few trademarks that we have but then more etsy stores than we have trademarks and then Mm -hmm. a few you know red bull accounts and things like that which i wouldn't really think of as brands they're just more accounts if that makes sense um those, those few ones that we say you know these are our brands we have followers we have email lists we have websites you know we're legit we have domains whatever you know these are our real the real deal kind of things
0: Hmm. And and you don't do that um, for every single Etsy account. What, yeah. What's kind of the um, what's the trigger point for your like, hey, this Etsy account is selling X or hmm. we're seeing this particular product take off. Um, like what triggers you to say, hey, we need to perhaps take this a little more seriously, start collecting emails, maybe even look into a trademark um, yeah. because we're seeing whatever. What is that thing that you have to see to make you want to do that?
2: Yeah. Um, so a, a good example is this one that we're about to start up. So we we created what was it? We had a few designs which were kind of around a particular not subjects, but I guess you could call it like a particular joke or a particular not a meme. That's that's too specific, but kind of a broad angle <laughs> without kind of uh, getting too specific. Why don't you anything? just tell us what it is? Just tell exactly. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I,
0: we'll, we'll all keep it a secret. Okay. We yeah. Promise. yeah.
1: It's just us here. It's just the three of us. No one
2: else (laughs) else is. Um, so yeah, it was a particular, let's call it a subject, particular topic that we did. And, um, and we did a brainstorming session kind of at the start of, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. And we were like, you know what we, you know, we've stopped doing the brand stuff. We've, we put a lot of energy into merch and a lot of energy into red bubble and stuff. It's time to go back and really let's get legit. Let's get some brands going. What are our, what brands do we have or what, what do we want them to be? And we had a few like seedling ideas based on a few designs, like one of these designs, which just organically took off and, you know, people really liked it. And whenever we posted it on Instagram, we get lots of shares and comments and stuff. And we did a few similar designs, and those got similar good reactions, so we we decided that would be one project that we'd work on and We basically said we'll do like ten different projects, and we'll put them all out there and we'll see which one really flies and then that will be the thing that we turn into a brand um so we never actually did the ten different projects, but we did one, <laughs> which is this one which which is our new brand kind of thing um and we did i think a series of about ten designs, put them on instagram um Really good feedback, and then we put them on like Redbubble and Etsy, and and they just got organic sales, which was weird because these were not designs that I would say have much, you know, organic traction. Really, they're not things that people would be searching for. They're like really quite. Sure you know, it's weird how people would, I, I was confused how people found them and bought them. So that was like a big green light. That was like, we, we're onto something here because people like it. We have barely promoted it apart from on our Instagram account. We've not done any ads. We've not done any sponsored posts. We've not done anything. And people are just like buying it and sharing it and stuff. So we have something there. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the the trigger really. And then I posted them on my threadless store um, and within a month or two, Threadless reached out and were like, "Oh, we think we can license this to Hot Topic and and a few other places." Um, wow. So I was like, "Okay, right, it's trademark time, and it's you know, <laughs> it's time <laughs> to get this this thing locked down because we we're probably onto something here." Um, so yeah, that that's I guess that's a good I, I guess the take takeaway from that is if you've got something that starts taking off organically you know like it's just out there and you can't really explain what it is and it has something about it that makes it protectable like I should probably say these designs we did these were not like you know a little bit a line of text with a simple graphic these were designs that we spent you know maybe a month or so putting together working with a designer there's quite a lot of information on the design it's quite you know takes a bit of time to to kind Mm -hmm. of read it um and get all the like multi-level jokes and stuff. They're kind of things that work really well on posters as well. Um, so we we push them as prints as well. Um, so yeah, that that's because it was like that kind of thing, it was like, okay, we put some effort in, we're seeing the results, let's go and build that out into more of a, a real true brand, if you like. Um, so that's what we're working on now. And if you've got something like that that starts taking off. Uh, You just need to pay attention to it, which is why it helps to be able to quickly, you know, see, you know, what your best sellers, what's happening. Is there a trend that's taking off? Is there something you can hop on or, um, or more long-term? Is this, is this something that's still going to be appealing in two or three years? Um, Yeah. This particular joke, this particular subject is, it has legs, you know, it's not based on whatever the latest meme is or anything like that. It's like a a kind of evergreen um, concept, if you like. So, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, I don't know how helpful that was in terms of takeaways. But. Well, what I took away was,
0: you know, if if Hot Topic wants to carry your stuff, you've got a brand. I
2: think that's basically what it Yeah, probably trademark it. Yeah, you, you have the, the inkings of something.
1: <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. That's
2: a um, litmus test, I, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know how, how, like, I don't really know how Hot Topic works. It could be that Hot Topic tries a load of stuff, you know, orders a load of shirts, stocks them. And then the next month they're like, man, they didn't really sell. So um, I I took it as a good indication that we have something that interests people because we, you know, hot topic were coming to us not knowing if we'd sold any or anything like that. They were just like, Oh, that's funny. You know, that will fly with our customers. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what, what we want to be doing. And that's, that's always what, what's worked. That's worked when I've done Instagram outreach to, to influencers and stuff. Is like, hey, do you like any of our designs? They're like, do we like any of your designs? Absolutely. They're perfect for our customers. You know, we like this one. Can we do a promo on this one? Can we modify this one? You know, that's what you want to hear when you're, when you're doing outreach and stuff. So, Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. So, Michael,
1: I'm sure that you've encountered copycats along the way. People either trying to rip off a design or the brand itself. Um, how do you? How have you in the past? I know trademarking obviously helps mitigate, you know, the the ability to copycat stuff. But what's been your experience? And how do you, uh, you know, shut that down in a way that it uh, doesn't take away attention from your brand that or that your design that you have out there?
2: Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a. I mean, it's an ongoing. Problem, and I don't really see a solution in sight yet. um, (laughs) Sure, the the I mean, we're in the same boat as everyone else. There's there's reporting facilities, DMCA takedowns, and that's uh, usually the best you can do right now. I think Uh, I would say, in in terms of where this whole thing starts, you know, if you create something in the first place that is copyrightable by which i mean it's you know it's a design of enough quality and en- enough efforts gone into it to for it to qualify for copyright protection um that's a good starting point because at least you can say hey this is clearly my design you know it's not a line of text and someone's also sure. written a line of text on a t-shirt it's it's something more than that um so that's helpful um i mean little tips like like we have registered email addresses at domain names like legal at mybrand.com um we found things like that tend to help with takedowns being addressed a little bit quicker um but even then like i mean we've we've i don't i've I've probably filed more takedown reports in the past month than i have in the past two Mm -hmm. years um because we had a design really go viral about a month ago um and i've just been kind of enjoying reporting you know all the it's just nice getting that email that we can As well You down, should. what you reported yeah. yeah um so so yeah i've been doing that on my lunch lunch break um and that's awesome yeah
0: justice but, is served justice is served
1: yeah know, just it's best the, served cold yeah
2: <laughs> exactly. um, so yeah i've been filing a lot and you know a lot of them don't come back like we have filed stuff with you know T-chip and a lot of those kind of shady t-shirt sites that are not <laughs> you know not the most <laughs> legit of um places and they just don't re- respond or if they have responded I've not seen it yet I, I don't know what they're waiting for but yeah there there are there's there's places where DMCA fails like I mean I don't know if you've ever tried to get something taken down from Alibaba but you may as well you know <laughs> You may as well not. It's not, worth, yeah. <laughs> it's not worth your time. Or eBay, I think I struggled with eBay as well. Um, hmm. But yeah, I think it helps to focus on, uh, is this really worth my time? As in, like, I'll take down a, an Etsy copycat because I'm selling on Etsy, and they're, they're eating, you right. know, they're drinking my milk. Sure. Drink. Same sure. on Amazon, same on other stuff. Um, if a random Shopify store sells my stuff, I'm less, less inclined to be concerned sure. about that. Um that makes sense. Yeah, so so those things help. Um but yeah, I don't I, I mean apart from that it's like we're all in the same boat and I think the solution is and we're beginning to see this like platforms and places are cracking down on on infringement on IP infringement yeah. and they you know they're getting I think wiser to the fact that if we don't stop this happening at a massive industrial scale. Uh, We have reputation problems. We have issues with, you know, not just... Because, like, individual artists are not things that concern people because we're not going to bring legal cases probably against Redbubble. Um, But if Pokemon does or if Marvel does or whatever, you know, that causes, especially a a company like Redbubble or Amazon, you know, what they don't want is legal headaches. They don't want lawsuits from from brands with deep pockets. Um, so I think, you know, we're seeing that more and more, the policies are tightening. Um, I mean, sometimes I think I would prefer a world where it was more of a curated, you know, situation, but I just think the platforms are built for scale and for, you know, Anyone come and bring your designs and and we'll sell them. Um, yeah, but even yeah. sites like T, like T Public has begun begun to say, you know what, we're not we're not posting anyone's designs on the main T Public store. Like you can still sell them a bit like you might on a Teespring or something. You can drive traffic to your store and and we'll we'll do the the back end. Mm-hmm. But we're not necessarily going to put them on our market. Right. You know, we're not necessarily going to allow people to search for them and find them through T Public. So I think that kind of thing is is probably going to be more prevalent as well and. I mean, I still don't understand why image recognition has not been used more on mm. some of these platforms and sites. Mm-hmm. Like um, that would seem to be a no-brainer. If YouTube can do, you know, recognition on a on thirty seconds of a song, you know, yeah, right. and go, "Hey, that's Taylor Swift," um, then <laughs> surely you can look at a png file and go hey that png file was like 80 percent similar to that png file you know with the same yeah, colors sure. and everything. And just have someone run their eyes over it and like hey actually we got a conflict here did you yep. create this or did you create this and sure you know for those of us who have been in the space for any length of time it like this is an easy thing like i could go on red bull or t public or merch farmers and look at the best sellers right now and see which ones are infringement. Just you know, and just pick them out. Like, why yeah. don't Redbubble and people Public like employ someone whose job it is to just just look at the best sellers? What's hmm? <laughs> selling yeah. right now? Oh, look, there's a rest in peace. Someone who's just died. There's um, you know, a Marvel joke. There's what's whatever yeah. it is, and yeah. just take them down. Like, um, I think that would be you know the the great the great answer or part of the, part of the answer anyway. Sure. And people will get bored. Like people, you know, the copycats will get bored. If every time they upload something, it gets removed. And right. every yeah. time they try it again, it gets removed. And you don't get me wrong. The cat and mouse game can go on for a long time, but if you're, you know, constantly whacking people on the head, they're going to get the message. Sure. Later, yeah. So, Actually, I bet I could go and scam somewhere else, you know,
0: <laughs> right. A better right. Scam going. Yeah. So, um, I, I do want to talk about, design and um coming up with ideas but before we do that i just want to ask one more question about branding and um for branding like what 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 are some business end games you know for branding like if you build a brand what are some things can you, can you take that brand and sell it separate from the rest of your business? Is, is that one of your end games? Um, where do you see that side of your business going and any advice that you would give to somebody that's also, you know, hoping to build a brand?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. And I, to be honest, I'm not thinking <laughs> about the kind of end game at the moment. Um, sure. I guess that makes sense kind of, kind of starting things up, but with, with previous brands and stuff, um, Yeah, there is a tendency to think, oh, I'm just going to start this up and and see where it goes and and whatever. And yeah, you're right. Obviously, the good thing about creating a brand, creating brand assets, creating a customer base is you can package that up and sell it if you wanted to, you know, Mm -hmm. five years down the line, 10 years down the line, whatever. Um, I think that, the other option which I'm kind of more inclined to right now is because we have a bit of experience now in art licensing and offline licensing and that kind of thing mm-hmm. is that you build up a brand and the value is in the brand, you know, literally in the same way that, you know, Nike is more than just sweaters and, and sneakers. It's actually the brand name. That's um, Nike
0: to our U.S. Nike, listeners. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Nike,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, the value could be in, you know, a bit like if you think about like an influencer, like what's the value of an influencer? What's the value of a of a person of an Internet personality? Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. Well, if they don't sell any product and they're just like uh, they do sponsored ads or something, the value is all in them. And, you know, the attention they have, the audience they have. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, that's kind of what we're thinking. I I think we're thinking, you know, we're going to build a a decent Instagram following. We're going to build a decent audience email list. And we're going to create a product and following around that product. And and then from that, we can license that. We We can, you know, I imagine in the same way that kind of like Hot Topic came and said, we think we can license this, we would either go and approach, you know, different licensing partners or they might approach us. One thing I'm thinking about is like a book you know, through a traditional kind of publisher deal that we would put together kind of a, a humorous book collection of designs or something like that. Um mm-hmm. in the same way that you see maybe like, you know, these funny Twitter accounts like um something like the We Rate Dogs account that like, you know people send him pictures of the dog and he writes them and does (laughs) a silly thing. And then, you know, a year later, he's got a book deal and a merch line and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, A similar kind of deal like that, I think is where we're heading with our particular brand. So it's less, you know, clothing company or anything like that. We're really not thinking along those lines at the moment. We're thinking, you know, content based um, brand, if you like, we're thinking about people who are going to really like the jokes and enjoy it. And we're going to do something in that whole space um, yeah. and then hopefully expand that, like I say, into maybe books and other licensing opportunities like that and partnerships. Um, we're already thinking about, you know, particular partners we can we can work with who would be a good fit for. And I think, yeah, if you, you know, probably good if you start thinking about that. Now, at the start of whatever your brand thing is, you know, who, who can we work with? Who would be a good partner? Who's a good promoter? Who yeah. can we, you know, bring value to and it would be a good fit rather than just, um, I'm going to start a T-shirt store and and hope, you know, hope for the best. Um, yeah, sure. I think it's, it, that's a really hard, hard line. And, I you know, I see a lot. I get a lot of sub- submissions for when I do reviews on YouTube and stuff and people send me stuff all the time. Take a look at my store. Take a look at my Shopify store. And it's just another you know, standard Shopify template with a logo T-shirt and a buy, an, an about page that says something like, hey, we're for people who want to stand out and live a happy life or, you know, the adventurers <laughs> sure. and the thing. And it's just like, oh, this is just, you know, there's literally <laughs> a thousand of these started every yep. single day around the world. Like, yeah, for goodness sake, do something. You've got to bring something uh, unique, and that's not going to be another logo shirt. It's not going to be happy father's day on a shirt and, huh. you know, a collection of generic t-shirt designs. You know, that is not a brand. That's just a. Uh, I don't know what that is. It's a, it's a wishful <laughs> hobby or something. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so Michael, let's talk a little bit about, uh, designs. Um, I know that you are a genius when it comes to design ideas. So for those listening, um, and for us, I mean, Travis and I always say that we're the first listener. We get to, uh, hear all of these tips and, and tricks first before uh, our listener base does. But for those listening, can you give us two to three quick ways to come up with a design that is, that is unique and, and sellable? Um, what are some tips that you yeah. might have to come up with one?
2: Yeah, I think, um, it does start with, with the audience and, and knowing who you're designing for. I think that's been one thing that we've, I've been good at is not just, you know, trying to create a design or an idea, but actually knowing an audience, whether that's like, you know, being part of a community for a while and you get to know their jokes and their slang and whatever it might be before you ever create something for them. So most of my designs that are bestsellers have been stuff that's like, you know, it's a, it's a topic or a subject I'm genuinely interested in, and I'm, I'm aligned with my potential customers because we're on the same yeah. wavelength. We find this thing funny. We have this, you know, in-joke that we both share. And mm-hmm. because of that, you know, when I create a design, it's like it clicks. You know, it's not something that I have to force. It's like, oh, yeah, that's funny. Of course they'll find that funny because, you know, I know the – because I find it funny, that kind sure. of thing deal right. um so yeah i'd say i'd say it starts there you know if you and and a lot of people say to me well, i'm not interested in it i don't have an interest you know so where do i begin you know how should i go and research what to do and i, I would say just go and get interested in something first like i don't know <laughs> what, you must have something or maybe when you were 15 there was something you were interested in like oh i, sure. I like uh, watching netflix and going on the internet <laughs> well, come on do better you know? read yeah. some books or, or you know there must be something like any anything you could drill down on someone and be like oh yeah well i like those yeah. kind of movies and i always found this one really funny or whatever it might be um so yeah i would i would always tell people to kind of go back and start there and then when it comes to ideas um i mean like a few practical things um i think you have to attack you have to really kind of focus your mind on the problem of, of coming up with ideas. Like that's kind of how I got very good at, um, ideas is that I set myself a target of doing like 40 new designs a week or something. And these Mm. would be unique, original ideas. And by no means would they all be great. And they certainly didn't all sell or become bestsellers. But because I forced myself to like do that, I was, I was, you know, I became acquainted with, okay, yeah, that would make a good design. That wouldn't. And those kind of Things and and because you do that, um, and I would usually do this on like a Monday morning, and and kind of just you know block out the morning on Monday to just kind of do do ideas and just do research and kind of look at the ideas I'd saved from the previous week that I'd noted down, and then go and do research on those ideas and see if they already existed or if there was already a bit of you know similarity with something out there or how I could do a twist on something and following rabbit holes and things like that. Um so I think that's a that's a good place to start um and along with that comes like just saving every every idea you have like whether you're walking down the street and you see something funny or you think a funny thought or whatever um you will not remember it I can guarantee you you will right. you will rem- you will remember that you had a funny idea you won't remember what it is and you won't even remember what it was about. <laughs> um, so yeah. you need to make a note of it when you get it, um, which happens to me all the time when I'm falling asleep or waking up. Like um, last night I couldn't get, to, last night I went to bed quite early, woke up about 1.30, couldn't get back to sleep and was having lots of ideas. Um, so I just had to pull out my phone and just write them down because I knew I'd forget them um, if I didn't do that. So so yeah, things like that. And then I guess I could give a couple of like practical examples of, of idea generation techniques um one that works for me really well is something i call plug-in phrases so this is where you have you know basically a list of, of phrases which you can use as jumping off points for ideas um mm-hmm. you know these are f- these are familiar for t-shirts they might be things like you know this is my something shirt or um don't blame me i something or sure. um I'm trying to think of some other examples, but, but that kind of thing, you know, sorry, yeah. I'm late, I, X, Y, XYZ, whatever it might be. So, you know, little jumping off phrases like that. And then um, where uh, the first thing is you need a list of those. Um, I mean, I've got a list of like 300 that I've saved over over several years. Um, but if you can start building up that list and anytime you see something like that, that might work, um, I sometimes call those phrases like boilerplate designs, you know, where you could take a, or you might call them scale designs where you could take a phrase Mm -hmm. and switch it out. I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be hiking. I'd rather be playing volleyball, whatever it might be. Um, those kind of phrases just make a list of them. And then, you know, when you have a trend or you have a topic that you want to do something around, you can just pull up your list and go down the, go down the list. And often for me, this isn't a case of, um, Oh, here's, you know, um, what's a, here, sea shanties. Here's a, here's a trend around sea shanties. Let me run down my list. I'd rather be singing a sea shanty. You know, it's not necessarily things like that, but it's like <laughs> where you can twist them and put kind of a joke on them or that kind of an ironic, sarcastic twist on stuff. Um, so yeah, it, you know, they're, they're really good jumping off points and that uh, some of my best, um, best selling designs have come from that kind of approach of just running down a list of jumping off points like that and then just coming up with a you know a text-based design which you can do some nice graphics for and and tie it all together in a nice design but it's not super complicated you know super complicated it's a pretty simple concept really um so that's a good that's a good method and i mean you know to be honest i've got i think i've got like 13 methods that i've kind of um (laughs) put down on paper and taught people and, and 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 i could talk about it for hours but um you yeah. know, quick wins or things like that, like plug-in phrases, um, you know, things like graphic styles, which are popular, you know, 80s yeah. style or kind of a 90s style, you know, anything like that. You know, some, a subject comes along and you can, if you can find a way to combine that with a style like a vintage summer beach style T-shirt, you know, um, that can sure. lead to like funny, ironic you know, jokes and the juxtaposition <laughs> between whatever it is, dinosaurs and, and a beach, and then you come up with a yeah. funny idea based on that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Th- there's 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 loads of techniques, um, and I think it comes down to – but but those techniques mean nothing if you don't know something about your audience and you don't have a good sure. understanding of what kind of jokes they're going to find funny or whatever. Um, so that's where it all begins. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of – Techniques yeah. and tips and, and things you can do to to really turn yourself into a, a machine, uh, which is kind of how I think about it now. It's like, you know, you could point me at any subject or any trend, and I could just, using the tools I have and the experience I have, I could just spit out ideas for days. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And then it becomes a job of actually filtering and finding the best ones and the strongest ones and, and working on those.
0: Yeah, it, it occurs to me that. Um... Idea generation slash design creation is a lot like songwriting. Both Josiah and I are musicians and we've, you know, written a lot of songs and, um, And really, there's a lot of similarities, you know, making sure you write down your ideas because your inspiration can happen at any point. Um, you know, in the middle of the night, as you're walking down the street, having that ability to, you know, to record those, you know, those snippets or those ideas or whatever they are for us, for a song lyric or maybe a melody or whatever. Um, and then, and then the idea of creating tools to, um, to help your uh, creative process, um, is, is very, you know, it's very applicable to both of these, you know, genres. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool. I I love that you've you've kind of flexed that creative muscle, and you've put <laughs> you, you've sure. forced yourself to really, um, to really grow in that in that way. And and now
2: you're, it's very natural. It's like breathing, you know. And so, yeah. um, it's like it's like you know, design is a good like comparison because. You know, if you use Photoshop or anything or, or you know, you use these tools which are designed to help you create quicker, right? That's the whole job yeah. is like you can have a, a design you need to create and you can open up Photoshop and you can turn it into a nice design because you have your fonts ready. You have your color yeah. swatches, you have your graphic bits, whatever it might be, and you can put them together quickly. And it's the same thing with, but with ideas, it's just, it's it's not a tangible You know, thing. It's the idea. Like, how do you put together an idea? Well, you have the resources, you have like the jumping off points, you have the kind of graphic styles that you might use, or you have some iconic images or things that you might play on or parody or something like that. Um, So, yeah, it's putting together all these things. And I think it's because it's really because of Merch by Amazon, because Merch by Amazon had this ridiculous policy of, having tears and having tears in the thousands <laughs> and hundreds of thousands sure. which was never a, a concept i think before then and and that was like hold on you want me to produce thousands of designs like mm, so that right. that made me think okay well is that possible oh, let's find out um you know how many ideas can we have we need more ideas than we have designs because you know uh, so it became a, a game of like mass production of ideas, um, which has led me to all these different techniques and methods and things.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's the same thing. It's like, um, you know, I can set up my guitar and I can have my computer out and you know my microphone and all of that stuff. <laughs> if I don't have the ideas that I've you know prepared in advance, I'm yeah. just staring at a blank screen or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's very very similar. It, it, you set yourself up for success when you do open up that Photoshop document. You've already got a list of ideas, you know, or, or, yeah. or you can very really quickly come up with them uh, with some of those tools. So those are those are some mm-hmm. great. Great tips, man. I, that's that's awesome. Um, l- I want to ask one more question about design, and then we're going to have you put your look into the crystal ball uh, and kind of <laughs> give us a futuristic uh, <laughs> look at the print-on-demand world. But um, I wanted to just touch on uh Shirt color or palette color. Um, I, I know, you know, when I started Merch by Amazon, you could do five. I think now you can do like 12 or 15 colors or something crazy like that. Um, what's your advice to someone that's like, oh, I can put this on a purple shirt. I can put this on a pink shirt. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It, you know, because I think <laughs> <laughs> I think we all kind of, we know where this is going. You know, you can really yeah. confuse your customers when you give them so mm. many options. So, Can you speak to that a little bit, Michael?
2: Mm-hmm. Excuse me yeah um yeah i've always come from the position of and I, because i kind of started in fact like even before merch you know i was i was starting little shopify stores or little, not not shopify back then i think i did like store envy or something like that but or i had a woocommerce store as well for a while um so i've always been you know making those decisions as a seller as well. And it's always been, okay, I've got this design. I realize that I can hook it up with a print on demand company and they can sell it on almost any color, but what do I want to offer the customer? And it is that process of, well, I created the design. I know what it looks good on. I'm the artist. I'm the creator. You know, they need to, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not a game of who's in charge here, but it's like, um, you know, I know what it looks good on. I designed the thing. You know, yeah. I know it looks good on a on a black background because that's how I designed it to look. So, you know, sometimes people on Etsy are like, oh, could you do this on pink? And you're like, have you seen the design? Do you, do you understand the concept of <laughs> colors understand and how orange. they look on things? Like, yeah. there's orange. Orange. <laughs> orange. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, I, I guess you could say in that sense, I don't believe the customer is always right. I think it's a case of, um, you know, you you as a designer and as a creative, you make decisions about what looks good and they, they say yes or no to that. And um yeah. yeah, I've always been of the mind that um yeah, if it's if it's gonna be on a black or a dark background, it's gonna be offered on a black and a navy shirt. And maybe at a push you might offer it on one more dark colour, like a brown or a, a dark heather or something like that, if it if it sure. works. But yeah, I think we we know You know, the analysis paralysis is a thing, and if you give the Mm. customer too many options, then you confuse them or you turn them off or whatever. Um, And I just think it's easier. It's a lot easier and more straightforward to just be like, here's the design. It's on black. Off you go. And, you know, a lot of our designs are like that. They're like, this design works on red. It's on red for a reason. You know, we know the reason. You know, we know why it's on red. It's because it's a particular type of design. Uh, Mm -hmm. It says a certain thing, and it sends a certain message. So... Of course, you know, people buy it on red. Um and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like some of our best sellers have been on white even though most people would be like, well, the best selling t-shirt color is black. Well, yeah, it is for all t-shirt designs in the world, but for this design, it doesn't sure. make sense on black, you know, it only works on white. So, and you can like, sure. oh, you could flip the colors inverted. No, you don't understand. It it's made to work on white. You know, the message is completely yeah. different if it's on a different color. Um mm-hmm. so I'm getting a bit Um, overly animated on that point. But, um, yeah, I just think... (laughs) And we love it. (laughs) Just make the... You just take the decision and and go with it. And, uh, of course, I understand that you can make a design that works on any color shirt. That's fine. Sure. Um, But... A design that works on any colour shirt, I don't think it's the it's not gonna be the a t shirt I really wanna wear. Um, you know, most of my designs rely on the colour of the shirt in order to, right. you know, look nice and look cool. Um they don't look great on other colours and they will only work on a few colours. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's always been my my kind of position on that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I think I think sometimes people think that the color options will sell the shirt as opposed to focusing on the fact that the design is what should sell the shirt. And so they mm-hmm. want to plaster it on every color available. A lot of our clients do that. Like, I want to make it available on every color you have. And you have to kind of walk it back I'm like, well, okay, listen it's not going to look good on this and this and this and this. So you should probably just do what looks best because you'll sell more if you offer yeah. three colors as opposed to offering 12 and then no one knows what to choose because it's 12 color options and it, yeah, it becomes yeah, exactly. kind of a it's mess. Like the,
2: um, it's like the Ian Malcolm thing in Jurassic Park, you know, um, <laughs> they didn't stop to think if they should, you know, because they right. could, they did, whatever the quote <laughs> right. was. Yeah. Uh, it, it escapes me at the moment, but it's that kind of thing. Like just because you can yeah. does not mean that you should, do something yes. um and because like i think screen printing t-shirts screen printing the process is like one of the greatest gifts to t-shirt designers in the world because it made uh t-shirt designers because they could only screen print stuff you have to limit your color choices you have to limit sure. your color palette and it mm-hmm. led to this approach which is really great designs because you only have three colors you have to be great at the design yeah. to make it really look sure. nice and that led to the I I would call it the overall style that we're kind of used to on t-shirts, which is a screen printed style. And I think, yes, on prints on demand, you can print any number of colors and any combination. You can print a photo if you want or whatever, but funnily enough, the t-shirt medium works really great. If you keep it to three colors and it looks like a screen printed design, you can print it on demand. That's fine, of course, but you know, it still looks better if it's that kind of approach.
1: Yeah, it's the uh, all things are permissible, but well, not all things are beneficial, uh, type type of approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, hey, as we kind of wind down and, and bring things to a close here, we wanted to ask you your opinion on the future of print on demand. It's something that Travis and I talk a lot about on this show. Whether it's the niches that are coming up, that's going to kind of influence, you know, the future of POD. What what items are are coming down the pipeline that we think are going to be huge, but overall as an industry, what do you think the future of print-on-demand holds? And what do you think, in particular, uh, the future of print-on-demand holds for fulfillment companies that aren't necessarily like the Printfuls or the Teesprings and and stuff like that? So if you could look into your crystal ball and kind of do a Michael uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stradamus-type moment here and let us know what you see uh, coming in the future of print-on-demand.
2: Yeah, great question. Um, I think... Yeah. Especially for like print on demand fulfillment. So I talked to a lot of print on demand fulfillment companies. Um, you know, my blog ranks pretty highly for a lot of those terms and stuff. So I get people uh, messaging me all the time and asking for, you know, will will I review the thing? Will I put it on my blog? Will I, you know, can we work together and stuff like that? So, um, I think the the print on demand fulfillment space obviously that's that's blown up in in recent years and and Printful and Printify and stuff have been doing doing great and yeah. uh, growing like I don't know I don't I can't remember what Printful grew last year but incredible growth um mm. so I think there's you know there's those those two kind of big monsters in the space or the big the big dogs and mm. I think there is room, there's a lot of room for improvement in print on demand fulfillment. And I've been saying this since like 2016 or 2017 when I was, you know, first started using people, um, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Things have been improving, but True. there's so much room for improvement. Like, uh, the quality of prints has been getting a lot, a lot better, um, over the years. Like it's a lot, a lot more consistent quality now and the machines get better every year and stuff like that. Um, but I think there's still a long way to go in terms of like, you know, the, the the key for print on demand fulfillment for me. And I still remember where I was when I kind of clocked this. Um, I was like, we went out for lunch, me and my wife. And it was around the time where I just kind of stumbled across, like, I think it was Prince aura at the time. So this was before printful were even if they were, if they were a thing, then they weren't a thing that I knew about, (laughs) but there was a company called print aura who were doing print on demand fulfillment. And, um, And it suddenly dawned on me that I could take all the designs I had on Redbubble and start my own store, like just start my own store. They could do the fulfillment and I'd be able to do it. You know, I could do it. I could do all the front end stuff. They do the back end stuff. And it was just like, wow, you know, this was a whole new world because I'd I'd previously like, you know, come very close to buying a bulk order of T-shirts and trying to sell them from my bedroom and stuff like that and always held off. And this realization that they can handle the stuff that I can't and I can focus yeah. purely on the other side was was massive. And what's strange is that not many print-on-demand fulfillment companies have gone, you know, focused on that. Like, for example, things like custom packaging or custom inserts in your orders, yeah. things that would make it a brand that I'd be proud of. If I was shipping it yeah. myself, you know, like we ship, you know, books, um, my books and stuff, paperback copies of my book. You know, we do things like putting a little postcard in there with a little note or something like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or stickers or something like that. Um, I know that Printful does that, but Printify doesn't. And like, you know, other companies don't have a really, you know, uniform approach to that. So even simple things like that, I think um, there's room for improvement on, on those kind of spaces. And I think where companies are able to offer more, what's the word, kind of, you know, products and product ranges that are not the same old, same old. Like mm-hmm. if you do a product that is, you know, takes a bit more work perhaps up front to get the organization going, but then, um, you know, it's it's something much, much better for the customer or more in line with what the customer wants. Um, I don't really have an example off the top of my head, but I just think like, <laughs> you know, competing for T-shirt orders, and don't get me wrong, there'll always be people wanting print-on-demand T-shirts, Um, but if you can differentiate yourself and be like, Oh, um, yeah, we offer this, this that you can't get anywhere else, you know, whether that's like, not that I do any of this, but things like jewelry or, or, you know, acrylic, um, prints or things like that. Um, those are the things, you know, like if you could do like customized, um, you know, almost like a customized cut, um, wall decor kind of thing or something like that. Um, I don't know those kind of ideas. I think are where you know there's opportunity for smaller print-on-demand fulfillment companies to do something yeah. that others others aren't. But it, it really comes down to that. You know, can you offer stuff that other people can't do, or can you can you help me as a brand owner? Can you take some of that pressure off? Can you do uh, like can I outsource my customer service to you so that you're a white la- you know you're like a white label? Sure guy talking to my customer on my behalf you know things like that Mm -hmm. um all those kind of things i think would would uh would improve the experience and there's you know there's a there's a a lot of opportunity there for for those kind of things
0: yeah awesome and um first of all thanks so much for coming on and spending your uh you know your evening or early evening with us um and i just want to Give our listeners, like, where's the best place to find you? Where can they contact you? Uh, we'll have all this information, of course, in the show notes. But, um, you know, what do you got going on? I know you've got, like, um, different, different things you've, you've put out there, like the Ideas Workshop, and you have some other products that you've created over the years. I don't know what's available or whatever, but kind of we'll give you the stage and you can share whatever you'd like to share.
2: Yeah, well, um, michaelesic.com is, is is my website, and I have a weekly newsletter that's usually a, a what I call a Tuesday tip, funnily mm. enough, on a Tuesday, and then I usually do like a roundup on a Friday, which is kind of news <laughs> and updates from print-on-demand world. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of my, you know, if you want to hear the latest from me, you need to be on the email newsletter. I'm not so hot on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook mm. and stuff, but I always... Um, make sure I send an email at least a couple of times a week. Um, so definitely go and sign up there. Um, in terms of products, um, I have a book called The Little Book of T-Shirt Ideas. It has, I think, sixteen different methods right now. So it's mm. basically like a mini reference book. Um, you can you can point it at any topic or subject. You can flick it open and find idea inspiration that will work for any mm. you know niche, any topic, anything you want to try it out on. Um, it's, it's got over like 100 examples. I'll walk you through step by step. Here's how to apply this. Here's how to come up with unique, funny, witty jokes around this this topic of yours. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah, that's available on, on my website. And then, like you say, I've been working on this um, ideas workshop, which is kind of a, a course plus a load of really helpful tools and resources uh, for people who really want to build their idea muscle, I guess you could say, and go really deep on the hmm. subject of ideas. And geek out on it like I do with you know hundreds of plugin <laughs> phrases and loads of graphic styles and things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's a course that we open a couple, of, um, yeah, a few times a year. So um, that will be opening again in a few months' time. And uh, yeah, I'm working on some big updates to that. So that that will be that will be live, I think, sometime in April um, this year. We'll be we'll be opening that up again. And yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the big focuses right now. Um, okay. I, I'm hoping later this year, you know, weather and uh, and uh, COVID permitting, that we'll be able to, I'll be able to come out to some events over <laughs> in the states and stuff, and mm-hmm. do some things and and meet people again. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it really for now.
0: Yeah, print on demand cast uh, meetup. Come on, let's do
2: it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'd be honestly, you know, people are like. You know, I I don't care. I don't care if I if I know you. I don't know you. I'd sit down for a drink with anyone right now. You know, if I was allowed. To. <laughs> That's Right. I Don't care. We what are the starved. Is or, yeah, we're I'm starved for, for human interaction and community. I'm yeah. Community, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd pay good money to get on a plane just to <laughs> just for the experience of sitting in an airport bar right now. <laughs> if I could, yeah.
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, you're not alone there. I'm sure there's lots of people <laughs> yeah. listening and ourselves included that are uh, very much in that same boat. But Michael, thank you again, man, for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us. I know that this is going to be very beneficial to to those that are listening. And uh, so thank you for taking the time. And hopefully we will have that print on demand cast meetup hopefully soon.
2: Absolutely. And uh, we you can, guys we can... organize it and I'll I'll be there.
1: Perfect. All right. All right. We'll hold you to it. And uh, until then, man, um, have a good one. And thanks for coming on the show.
2: No problem. Thank you, guys.
1: Well, there you have it. The interview with Michael Essick. There's so much there. I would suggest even giving this one a second listen. Maybe a third mm-hmm. listen because there's going to be a lot of stuff uh, that you need to retain. Even for myself, I was like, I, I can't wait to listen to this one back because yeah. you know I, I, I got done recording and Jason was like, how was the interview? And I told him right off the top of my head the stuff that I had retained. And then it was mm-hmm. like, there's something else and I need to go back and listen to it so I can articulate <laughs> it. So I encourage you guys to do the same. Travis, what's one of the biggest takeaways for you uh, from this particular interview with Michael?
0: I just, you know, the more we do these interviews and the more we talk to these people that are doing print on demand, um, uh, you know, there's, there's this branding theme that keeps coming out, you know, and, um, for me and you, we kind of started our journey with, um, you know, taking his ideas, you know, the, the thing you talked about it with ideas and just right. coming up with hundreds of different ideas and just doing design after design after design and throwing them all up there. Yeah. Um, And I I think there's, you know, as we move, you know, the timeline moves in print on demand, I think there's more and more of a move toward people, you know, getting into more branding and, and, and learn. And so I I really enjoyed hearing some of his thoughts on that because, um, I think if you want to, you know, prepare for the long game when it comes to print on demand, you really need to think through how you're going to create, create an actual brand and, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, your target should be to sell in hot topic. (laughs) That's not necessarily (laughs) what we're talking about. Um, I'm, I'm talking more about, um, think your your mindset, like how you think about your designs and how you think about how they interact together and then potentially how you think about marketing them, um, to a larger audience uh, sure. in, in a cohesive way. I, th- I think yeah. that's something that um, I just keep hearing. It seems like it's a thread as we, um, you know, interview all these different people.
1: Sure. Yeah, 100%. I think one thing for me that I that I took away too from the interview, in, in addition to that, was, man, you got to do your homework on designs. I mean, mm-hmm. just his process and the number wow, of yeah. of. Tools that he has and methods that he has to come up—it's more than just, you know, googling novelty shirts and seeing what's on T-fury and coming up with your own design, which I'm guilty <laughs> of. You're guilty of. We're all guilty of it, right? That's just kind of how how we've we've done it for for a while on some designs. But he, <laughs> hearing his approach to stuff and and the work that goes into the designs that he creates to create something that's unique, that's evergreen, that's going to be sellable, and you know obviously he's doing mm-hmm. something right because hot, hot topic came knocking uh right for some of those <laughs> designs so i think there's this tendency to kind of uh go on autopilot with the designs and like like i said just find something funny and make your own version of it but mm-hmm. i know for me this definitely challenged me about you know of course trend research trend watching we've talked about that a lot on this podcast yeah and and figuring out things that for me personally that I am uh, you know, knowledgeable and that I can create shirts about. I'm a huge professional wrestling fan. I know that I could mm-hmm. I can get some some of that some designs around that niche because I understand yeah. that like he was talking about, you know. So um super, super, super informative.
0: Yeah, it goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about in episode nine when we t- um, interviewed Ken Reel and, and some of the things that he was talking about, just basically saying, you know, the, the best way to not get in trouble with, you know, copywriting and, and you know, all of that stuff is just to make original art and put it on shirts. And, and yep. I think Michael really has um, taken that and really run with
1: it and has done really well for himself because of it. Absolutely. 100%. Well, I hope you guys listening got a lot out of these uh, out of this interview. I know you have, and I know you'll continue to do so as you go back and listen again. We want to thank Michael one more time for coming on the show all the way in England. Uh, I know he's a super busy guy, and it was really um, – I'm always really honored. Uh, I don't know about you, Travis, but I'm always really honored when these guys are willing to – uh, take time out of their schedule to come onto our show and, mm-hmm. and impart some knowledge to our listeners. It's always really honoring to know that um, they believe in one, what we're doing and to just empowering people and equipping people in general. So thank you, yeah. Michael, for, for taking the time to come on the show. For sure. It's, it's awesome. So uh, totally. thank you guys so much for listening. In case you didn't know, we have a Facebook group. Go to uh, turn on demandcast.com slash Facebook. We'll take you to that Facebook group. You have to request. We'll approve you. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Get to know everyone in the group. Uh, if you have questions, it's a great place to sound your questions um, and just to interact and kind of ask for advice and tips like that. So, Travis, I'm, I'm really liking the the traction we're getting on this Facebook group, man. I like the community yeah. that's starting to be built.
0: Yeah, it's it's a small group of people so far, but uh it is growing every day, more people are added to it and um yeah, I, I the whole reason we did this was so we could have, you know, community and build community. So yeah, we'd love for you guys to join the Facebook group. Yeah. Print on slash Facebook. Take you right there. Uh, I think there's like three questions, you know, on there to, to get in. Um, we set yeah. it to private today. So, you know, you kind of, once you're in, you know, our, all of our posts are in there and your friends can't see them. you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, join, join us and, uh, yeah. and, you know, ask a question, um, you know, contribute to the conversation because uh, yep. we all get better. You know, the, the whole rising tides lift all boats. That's,
1: that's really sure. kind of the theme of this whole podcast. Yeah, 100%. And so be sure to find us there. You can also go to printondemandcast.com for more information on the show. If you want to reach out to Travis and I, it is info at print on dot That's the email address where you can reach us, ask us questions, or again, through the Facebook group uh, is a good way to reach us as well. And we are available on all major podcast platforms and travis we tell people all the time right on itunes and give us a give us a review right and subscribe give us that five-star review well it's happened we we got our first uh review which is super super exciting i'm going to see if i can pull that up real quick and share with the viewing audience now which is an interesting thing to say so here we go Uh, our first (laughs) review Chris Kretz on the 29th of December, which I know some of these reviews take a while to kind of populate for Mm -hmm. Apple uh, just in their vetting process, which is great. But uh, yeah, um, very, very very kind review uh, hooked in the first episode and very complimentary of of the content so chris thank you so much for um yeah. going out of your way to leave a review on this show it means the world to travis and i and, and it's part of the reason why we started this was to help people like yourself so thank you so much and we encourage you guys listening to do the same thing give us a uh review on itunes uh, five stars is preferable uh, if anything, for the dad jokes, the Woody banter and the bumpers, which is what we are. I think that's what we get the compliments the most on, actually. <laughs> <laughs> which is really, really funny. Because yeah. all the, all the legwork we do pre-show, pre-production, the notes, and it's like, yeah, the the conversation was good, but those bumpers they move me. You know? <laughs> <So it's> like...
0: <laughs> I don't know what that says about the about you know the state of the human race, but uh, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Sure. I'm having a yeah. good
1: time. <laughs> yeah, we're having fun, and we'll yeah we'll take all the compliments we can get. So thank you guys so much again for listening. For Travis, I'm Josiah, and we'll see you next time right here on the Print On Demand Cast. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Print On Demand Cast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at printondemandcast.com. Take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next week. (sighs) This is the longest episode ever. In a world where businesses everywhere are trying to make print-on-demand sales, one podcast goes above and beyond every week to bring the most POD-specific information there is. All to help save the day every day. Don't succumb to the enemies of your print-on-demand business. Sign up today for the Print-On-Demand Cast VIP email at printondemandcast.com slash VIP. This time, it's It's for real. real.